0: Hello, and welcome to the next episode of Lost in Criterion. I'm John Patrick Owatari-Dorgan, and with me, as always, is a man whose job appears to be some sort of cigarette-dancer hybrid. I'm not... Maybe waiter? <laughs> I'm not clear what that Are job you is.
1: A, but you're a hybrid between a waiter, a dancer, and, and, and a cigarette.
0: Yes. Uh-huh. Not a person smoking a cigarette. But as far as I can tell... Possibly the physical embodiment of a cigarette. If a cigarette were yeah. a person. Just
1: coming out of nowhere whenever we need a little break from the lack of action. Right.
0: Well, <laughs> what I really like about it, and it's not the kind of... So, like, here's the thing. You have essentially in this world two possible physical manifestations of what a f- cigarette would be as a person. Yeah. One of them is dirty and terrifying. Yeah. And one of them is one of those ladies basically. <laughs> right. Right. It's either like right. the very right. like cool, really like, yeah, this is a cigarette. Cool. <laughs> or there's like I found this on the ground behind a building
1: as 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 always, my mind will be reminded of a story. Uh or or some organization I vaguely don't like. <laughs> okay. Um, awesome. Usually that one. No, uh there is a uh there's a thing in Columbus that is a uh a th- dinner theater that has two stages in the same room. Uh, okay. And one of the stages is live music.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Um, a rock and roll cover band. Okay. And the other stage is uh, sketch comedy.
0: Do they operate simultaneously? They go back and forth. Okay. Well, at least there's that. But the,
1: but the reason they go back and forth is because... The hiring process of this place is to hire as few people as possible. Okay. So everyone in the band is also an actor in the sketch comedy. Dear Lord. And is also your waiter. Presumably the kitchen staff is separate, but <laughs> I I kind I don't know. We don't know. I've never been back of house there, so I can't say for sure. But wow,
0: like wait a minute. So that's a terrible business model, Adam.
1: <laughs> it's it is an excellent way. I, I I have I have heard the internals of this place described as a bit cultish. Uh-huh. Um so so I think it lends itself to that interpretation that, you know, it's an excellent way to get people so mind dumb that they don't question anything.
0: Right, I get you.
1: Uh millions, millions across the world. Are both musicians and waiters or No, actors I
0: know, and but you waiters. don't usually try to do them both at the exact same time. Like <laughs> I'm just thinking like, so there's a period in time where you just cannot get service. It's impossible. Right. And right. then there's a period of time where you just cannot get live music or comedy because they gotta right. deliver some food.
1: Because there's an intermission to, to run your cheese sticks out to you. Pat, before we get into the movie this week, I want to talk about our Patreon. Yes, please. Patreon.com slash lost in criterion. If you wanna support us, keep us going, uh you know, we're we appreciative of even people who just listen, but if you want to give us a little money, we're I mean definitely we, we appreciative we do appreciate of that too. That, that is yeah, true. Helps uh helps pay those pay those internet bills, and that's uh very important too. Uh well for a dollar a month you get access to a catalog of bonus episodes. Uh, we've been doing it for i think uh 3 or 4 years now so there's a there's a good chunk of uh of back catalog over there yeah do it's a monthly episode it's always a non criterion film or at least a film that is not in the criterion collection when we record it uh at <laughs> That's least not one has gone, gone into be, the criterion that it won't be in yeah. the future yeah at least one of the movies has gone on to be in the criterion collection um but we try to avoid that by doing by doing some weird stuff. Just over doing there, some too. real garbage. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Not real garbage. I'm just but I mean Critters Two. Critters two is, is probably never movie. going to be in the Criterion Collection. I, but it is a good well, movie. Well we we we
0: are never sure.
1: It's a movie to watch every Easter. Uh it's time appropriate. Um Is but, it an, uh,
0: actually an Easter I don't even remember it at all, yes, all anymore.
1: Yes, the Critters the 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 uh the plot problem in Critters Two is that a woman has found all of an old woman has found all of the critters eggs and painted them and hidden them around town oh, right. for the annual Easter egg hunt.
0: That's um, right.
1: Yeah, it's wild. It's oh, wild. Man. What an amazing uh, movie. Yeah. Patreon.com slash lost in criterion if you want to hear us talk about that from years ago or um uh, you know more recently we've done Just uh, listen to some that on repeat. Yeah, just listen to that one on repeat. We've done we've done some really great stuff over there, though, um, and we often have guests over there to talk about movies that they recommended. We do lists for, like our good friend Stephen Goldmeyer, uh, had us do a list for uh, to try and get people to let us watch to successfully try to get people to let us watch. Now you see me, a movie he absolutely loves, and joined us to talk about. Uh, we also had one fairly recently. Another supporter, Adam Speakerman, suggested a uh, Buster Keaton list and joined us for the episode on that. Mm, uh, that was fun. But that was yeah. It was fun. Yeah, but we have a lot of fun over there. Much more fun than we have on the regular Criterion. Ugh, and boring Criterion boring regular oh, podcast. Man, we hate this. No, um, I can't. I can't even sarcastically say that with the movie we're about to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> Oops. Uh, anyway. Uh, but that is, as I said, a dollar a month. You get to vote. You get to suggest lists. If you want in on that, you get to uh, be a guest. If you suggest a list, almost almost always, uh, and you uh, yeah, you get access to all those bonus episodes, all the all the back episodes too. Uh, that's a dollar a month for a little little above that five dollar mark uh, for just people who who feel like we deserve a little more money or wanna wanna support us a little extra. Uh, $5, uh, the only additional bonus on that is getting your name read on air so thank you to Stephen Goldmeyer, who is a $5 supporter right now Yes, a little above you. that and one of the reasons there's so few $5 supporters is that uh, at $10 and above we do something that I think is, is pretty dang special Pat makes a piece of art based on one of the movies we watched recently and I get that printed up on a postcard uh, write a little thank you note and mail those off once a month That is $10 and above, and we also like to thank those supporters on air. So thank you so much to Patrick Yalco, to Christopher Otto, to Michael McGrath, to Adam Speakerman and Jason Westhaver for being our $10 and above supporters. If you you want to see the sorts of art that Pat produces on uh, a three-month delay so that our supporters get them first and can enjoy them, uh, we are putting those postcards up on a store at redbubble.com. If you go to redbubble.com and search for Lost in Criterion, we should pop up and you can see the entire back catalog of those postcards, save the one that Toho threatened to sue us over.
0: Yes. It's, it's a secret. It's the extra <laughs> the special <secret> one. Postcard. <laughs>
1: the special postcard. If you want to see that one, travel back in time
0: or send or send Adam a very private note somewhere. You you know you know
1: the usual messages, the usual ways to get messages to people. You know. Yeah. Just wink, nudge, We'll we'll see Something what we might can happen. Do. <laughs> uh Pat, this week we are talking once again about a Jean-Pierre Melville film. Uh last week we talked about those uh, Les Doulos and I loved Les Doulos. I absolutely loved last week, yep, but no, we, we really very, it. Yeah. Very complex conversation about why we enjoyed that one uh, and whether or not our our framing of Melville was the reason we hadn't enjoyed other Melville
0: films. We were wrong. Uh, and
1: I think we were wrong. No, I, here's what
0: I will say, is I legitimately believe that perhaps he experienced, like, well, we may never know, but perhaps he was visited by three ghosts or hit on the head really hard or... <laughs> <laughs> Legitimately, I still buy into the premise that that movie was essentially, at least in part, a sort of comedic pastiche of a gangster movie. Right. It felt it felt too deliberate for it to be an accident. Right. I mean, it is possible that it wasn't, and that he, we talked about this last week. It is possible that he like thought he was doing a good like version of a gangster movie and like this is this is great everything's on point none of this is goofy or dumb and like and then, some of it was
1: goofy and dumb though yeah whereas
0: <laughs> this one is right back into what we've come to expect from him right. in terms of so, like actual movies
1: so one thing that it definitely is is that his early gangster films um and Melville Melville's interesting in that he's you know our other french gangster movies from the new wave guys are are actual pastiche right or or not necessarily comedic pastiche but definitely heavily indebted to american gangster films right whereas uh on the one hand what melville is doing is stylistically indebted to to those same films but he is working from always from french sources from french right, police right. novels um so, his earliest stuff, not just Les Duos, but but Bob Le Flambour are are fun and stylish in a in a bombastic sort of way. I think right. Whereas through the sixties and seventies, he moves into a much more uh, retrospective, still stylish. Certainly, I won't I won't take that away from him. Um, but a, a different sort of philosophical, uh, thing is going on right. yeah. with, with Les Circle Rouge and, uh, Le Samurai. And this is sort of, this movie marks kind of the, the hinge of those two. I think Le Doulos definitely does too.
0: Right. Well, but yeah. But this movie is
1: sort of this feels the more, middle in a different I, way. I,
0: I think this feels more like the middle just because, yeah. like, I guess at least the way I personally processed Le, uh, Le Doulos was just, I, I don't know. I, I, I couldn't read it as serious. Uh, right, right. Whereas right. this one, like, there's. Doulos had the too f- much fun stuff right, going on. All the fun is just wrenched from this film violently. <laughs> Oh, right. Um. I mean, there were there were parts that were enjoyable. I mean, it wasn't like yeah. it's not like it was completely devoid of joy. I here's what I will say. I found the the editing in this film borderline unbearable. Oh no. Not not in the like not in the way like like again. I was very stylistically very really nice looking very really hits home on the themes of the like not the theme but the the sort of like yeah. style of the movie. There is not a scene in this movie that is like until we get towards the end, there's longer than like fifteen seconds long, yeah, like we jump, we jump location and like characters, especially for the first half, so fucking fast, <laughs> like literally only one tiny thing will happen. And then right. you'll be in a totally new place with a whole new set of people. Yeah, there's
1: a lot of
0: there's a lot of pieces in the
1: story, but let's uh, let's name the story because oh, I don't wait. think we Sorry, have. Sorry, I forgot. Right? I, I lost Les, track of that. Les Douze Souffle. Souffles, uh, the uh, the second breath, the second wind, uh, colloquially probably closer. It's from 1966. This is an adaptation of a Jose Giovanni film. Or, or book, rather. Uh, Giovanni is someone we have talked about a lot. He is the author of La uh and Classé to Risk, um, which we have seen adaptations of his of his books before. Um, interestingly, Giovanni uh, uh, had a bit of a falling out with Melville over this movie, because Melville, this is a very straight adaptation, mm-hmm. but Melville insisted on getting credited for dialogue. And Giovini said, no. Right, right, (laughs) The dialogue in this movie is 90% my writing. Uh, And sure enough, in the opening credits, it is Giovini who gets the dialogue credit, whereas Melville gets a screenplay, an adaptation and directed by Melville, I believe, is how it's actually formed. Um, And, uh... (laughs) Melville was really mad about that. Uh, okay, like it was not the only time in the production of this movie that Melville was really mad. By the way,
0: but like but, legit, <laughs> Melville didn't write any dialogue. Right,
1: right. He shouldn't have. Like, been mad it doesn't make
0: any sense. Uh
1: so um, according to the French Wikipedia page, which uh, I I checked. I checked the auto-translation of a few of these sentences to make sure I was understanding them correctly. Uh, But production on this actually started in 1964 with a completely different cast. Uh, Well, maybe not completely different, but different enough. Uh, Lino Ventura, for instance, was not playing Goo, but playing the police inspector, Blot. Okay uh, Okay, so there was just some stuff moved around, some different people in different places and some different people altogether. Shooting had started but was abandoned because the production, the producer, uh, Fernand Labroso, hadn't paid the technical staff. okay and dragged everything down so long that they lost the rights to the book. And according to French Wikipedia, and this is one of the places where I checked the translation to make sure I was reading it right, and there is really there's a chance it's a colloquialism, but there is very little uh, outside. Uh, no one calls it colloquialism. Uh, Melville knocked him out. I don't know if he punched him or hit him with something else, but Melville knocked him out.
0: Interesting. And, and, so it, we don't and, we don't think it's like yeah pushed him out of the To knock. Yeah, oh. to
1: knock out is a French phrase, huh. uh, and that is the word that is used. And I have no indication that it is meant to be pushed out. Huh? Uh, it is knocked out. Uh, so, um, Because the because the rights expired, uh, a new production was put up. They went back down. The rights went back on sale, and another project picked up the rights. Uh, with uh Denis de la Patelier uh as the director, um Pascal Hardin writing the screenplay, Ventura and John Gabin in the cast. Okay. Um but uh <laughs> Melville pulled some strings with I believe uh the production company uh to try and get the uh the shoot blocked um which he did succeed in, mostly because at that point, Giovini liked Melville better and wanted Melville to write the screenplay over Jardine. Not necessarily direct, but at least uh-huh. adapt the screenplay. So, Giovini agreed to grant the rights uh, and negotiated the rights for uh, for. Melville to write and direct, uh which came with another shuffling of the cast, obviously, mm-hmm. to what we actually have. Um Jean Gabin is out. Uh and uh yeah, it's just very, very complicated. <laughs> uh yeah. So after after two years of negotiations, production started February twenty oh, first of sixty <laughs> six. Jeez. Yeah, so yeah, it went back and forth for a very, very long time, and then they finally had this. Um, I will say you are wrong to say that there was no no cut longer than fifteen seconds before the being, second half I of this was movie, being because hyperbolic. obviously you're being sarcastic there and you're being, you're being hyperbolic. But uh, the opening title sequence is again predominantly a very long cut of them a long continuous take of them walking through the woods, escaping, having escaped from prison.
0: Right. And, now and the
1: prison escape itself is
0: right. And, and hyper to
1: the point where you can't really tell what's happening. And then
0: that does that, that resumes after that opening title sequence. Like right. when the initial right. plot of the film is being, ascent- when we're going through the sort of setup of the initial plot, which takes far longer than it should, um, it, we, in order to introduce Probably because, I would imagine honestly, because it is such a faithful adaptation, it sounds like uh, yeah, that the like you get into this weird disconnect between what what a chapter in a book is versus what a scene in a movie is, I imagine to the point where we're trying to go around and we're trying to explain who all these people are and like what they're they're like relationship with... Yeah, relationships yeah. to each other are and where they fit into the the grand puzzle. And like it, for a while there, it just literally feels like get in a car, like literally there are scenes where it is one of them, usually Goo, in a car where one sentence is said and it's a new scene. Right. And you're like, what just the fuck are we doing here, folks? Where? Sometimes you have to rewrite the story so that like more than one sentence of important information gets said in the same scene to get across right. the same information without having 7000 cut like 7000 different scenes it's it's i, I don't know I, like i it, it yeah. wasn't the end of the world it was just frustrating because because of the way it was done i found following who was who and their relationship actually harder than it would be in a normal in a movie where that doesn't happen right, yeah, I, right. I i still that. to this day could not tell you all the characters in this movie, <laughs> and like what their position is, like I understand, right. like I understand goo, I understand blot, I understand, like obviously I like the one woman, I do, and, whose name uh, I don't know how to pronounce because I only ever read it, I never really like managed to actually hear how I'm supposed to pronounce it. Uh, Manoshe, Manoshe, uh, like the yeah. Ricci brothers' cousins, I guess they're cousins, but then it all, I think they're brothers. Yeah, well, <laughs> I'm Paul, pretty sure they're brothers. They're, yeah, I don't know, like, like I guess I, I guess I do. But the problem is the way they were all introduced; it didn't become yeah. clear to me who was who, like in terms of like their purpose and meaning in the story. And like I understand that the plot unfolds, and like you're not supposed to understand yeah. like, oh, he's going to double cross him or but anything also like that.
1: Like but like the way people are introduced, like Orlov is just there at the first meeting of a job he's not going to be involved with, but he is the the contact for. Okay oh, to get involved yeah, with and it. Or- and,
0: yeah, and Orloff was baffled Orloff to me the is, whole fucking time. Yeah. I was like who <laughs> the right. fuck is this guy?
1: Uh well, uh it turns out Orloff <laughs> because this is Giovini uh work. Uh Orloff is a guy who used to be a Gestapo agent. Uh <laughs> Of course, in real life uh, not the actor who plays him, but the character, the character, the person the character is based off of. Ah, uh, interesting. Is, yeah. uh, That's why. Yes. Yeah, and well, is also also the man. Uh, Orloff is uh, based on the guy, if I'm remembering correctly. Orloff is based on the guy who, um, who Giavini collaborated with particularly. Right. Um, the the collaboration charges against Giovini were based on an incident where he and this guy uh, kidnapped and held for ransom uh, a, uh, I think, a pair of Jewish, there was two Jewish men, if I remember correctly. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure Giovanni. it was a separate incident, incident to the Giovini incident of him murdering someone in a crime gone bad. Yeah,
0: but, I, I, um, I'm pretty sure. I remember we talked... Yeah. I believe we even talked we about have this talked, directly. Yeah.
1: In, yeah. In the past, we talked extensively about Giovanni's background, and I don't want to get bogged down in that again because we've got so much so much Melville to get through. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but there is that aspect. Um, so, yeah, the way characters are introduced is sometimes a little odd um, and not... Not particularly useful to understanding who someone is in a scheme of things. And, like, last week's movie was particularly a mystery, which right, is pretty abnormal yeah. for our inter- our interaction with
0: Melville. Right, but the character, um, inter- I, I didn't have any trouble, like, yeah. getting a hold of the characters, partially because the, the main character was more clearly, like, just fundamentally identified at the beginning of the film. Right,
1: uh, right. Whereas this is not a mystery, but it's still
0: confusing at times. Right. Uh, and I I, and I say am that- particularly easy to confuse. Like, it, right. this is a well-known right. fact <laughs> right. that, like, put me in a black and white movie. Back to movie, the podcast. Like, yeah. like it put me in a black and white movie where, like, all of our actors kind of same age range, same kind of right. fundamental looks. Like, yeah, I recognize the one young guy in this movie. Like yeah, especially
1: I got, a gangster movie where they're all dressed the same. Yeah, it really causes yeah.
0: me a lot of trouble actually. Like I yeah. have a real hard right. time with like and the movies that work for me in this sort of genre are ones where they're like, No, everybody's got their costume. Like or, you know, their look where they're real easy to identify. You like you yeah. sent me a message like, Oh, this one's got the the French Walter Matthau in it and I was like, Yes, but there's also more than one of them. <laughs>
1: right Walter Mathau just has that french nose um french walter mathau i meant uh, i meant blot yeah i know uh, i Palmer know race. i mean i i immediately
0: recognized it and then i went on further in the movie i was yeah. like but all of these could be like if you like if yes yeah. if you if you if you actually like if like walter mathau got stung by some bees or got like <laughs> got like actually got hit you know- by a car door in the face like these guys could all kind of be walter mathau
1: yeah, but only in as much as Lino Ventura is the uh, the French Robert De Niro, and Robert De Niro maybe kind of looks like Walter Matthew, who's been punched too much. Well, that,
0: that, that's exactly uh, that is actually the yeah. actual the connection I made in my head is right, is right. is that right there? Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, speaking of which, uh, there was some more tension on the set uh, with Ventura because when they shot that opening scene of him jumping on the train, uh. Melville had the engineer keep increasing the speed of the train. Uh
0: Like, what? He just wanted it to be like he wanted the guy almost <laughs> falling to his death to be s- s- authentic,
1: I guess. I guess. I guess. I don't know. Man, I don't know. Like Melville kind of a jerk.
0: <laughs> yeah, no. You definitely get that impression, don't you? Huh.
1: Obviously, he had already been under a lot of stress before the movie even started production. So, uh <laughs> Like, but, but anyway, yeah. Not that that's an excuse.
0: Yeah, the, the worst um, excuse, really. I will. I tried to murder my actors because I was under stress. Right, right,
1: right. I will say, in a little bit of pushback to the to your complaint about it being a bunch of empty driving scenes and one sentence said, I didn't say I think, that. But okay, I know, go on. I know. I'm being. I'm being very. You're uh, being
0: hyperbolic about my hyperbole here. Yes.
1: I, <laughs> I'm ratcheting it up. I'm being dismissive about your complaints, too. No, I will. Listen, there's a lot of scenes in this movie that are quiet travel sequences or, or well, just Well, which I don't moving mind. Around.
0: My issue is that like there's yeah. literally like, well, okay, I'll give you a prime example. I can't, because it happened more than once. There's like a set of scenes where we've got the main character. We've got Goo driving and like one thing is said. Then we cut to a scene inside of a building where another guy says one thing to another guy. And then we go to another scene. And especially at the beginning of the movie, that happens in rapid succession. We do that a lot. Like it slows down. But that gets weird too, because the pacing of the movie is weird then because you start off really quick pacing like not pacing. I don't want to say pacing because like the movie is slow pretty much all the way through. But like the, the the scenes are happening pretty quickly. And they're real short, and they start to extend out further and further as the movie progresses, till you get to the end, and suddenly the final like, like scenes of violence and and stuff at the end, those scenes are much longer. Uh, right. At least they feel much longer to me. And so what that feels to me like is it's like, it that doesn't feel good necessarily because it's like yeah, it's like oh, what? if you're gonna have your action sequences be five minutes long, you, you need to kind of balance that out a little bit. I feel like I think that's fair, but I also
1: think all of that is in service of uh, themes in the movie. Um, okay. I'd say the majority of this film, you know, blanketly plot wise, this is a film about, and, and so much of Melville's later work, I think can accurately be described as, as this sort of thing too. It's a film about uh, a hitman who is loyal, who prides himself on his job and and being well-respected in his field, uh, which Goo certainly qualifies as, uh, until he is tricked into uh, breaking his code of honor. And that's really what it is, is the code of honor. Right. Um, And when he's tricked into breaking his code of honor, he, he goes mad immediately, like he Tries to commit suicide in the in the police office, right?
0: Running his head oh, into the. Although I'm cabinet. not fully convinced that. And yeah, I I don't I they say that the characters in the movie say that, but right. I'm not sure it's not just a ploy, because it gets him into the hospital. their Their interrogation methods up until oh, then, yes. all their interrogation it, methods up until then had been like the ones that leave no sort of. Outward, visible effects. Well,
1: when we when we get has to a that, lip. he yeah, he's bloodied. Um, but like, there he's is not apparently the a scene. There is a a much more overt uh, beating interrogation scene that was cut by the censors. I am told.
0: Well, I mean, um, I, I bring that up because when they're interrogating the other but, guy, yes. they're literally waterboarding him so that they right. don't. Like, but you leave are the Mark. Yeah. Um,
1: you are th- you are suggesting that he. He is not actually driven mad, crazy mad, so much as he's just angry at the situation and well contrives a way that will let him escape.
0: Right. Yeah. I think. I right. think. I think what we're supposed to read him is as is very clever. Like right. I, the movie, the the and like and the and that's actually some of the better that's some of the better parts of the film in terms of like plotting and and yeah. and and actual like story writing is. And I I probably we could probably chalk that up to the guy who actually wrote the book.
1: Um is a good writer, right? Like for all of his other person,
0: faults, terrible <laughs> person, pretty good at Did writing. His time though, um, <laughs> but like, well, yeah, that's true. But like, you know, um, he like in a book you would you would have the duality probably of character inner narrative combined with what the cops are saying, right? Or something that would like give you a hint as to what's going on. Whereas in the movie, there's just no way to render that out. And so it can be hard to sort of explain, right? Like the movie, Movies that is just one of those difficulties of like noir fiction to noir like film is that like you don't have that inner monologue. Um, that let you well, know that if, you, I mean.
1: you can so often in, in movies you have the, uh, the narrator I, but, yes you do
0: but, but like but that also, that can also don't be here, terrible so. and we don't have that here
1: right. uh, but uh, the other aspect is that so much of this film you know we start with a prison escape but so much of this movie is goo uh, manufacturing a way to escape a prison of a different sort right all the time right and, and as such, he is in tight, closed, dark spaces so often. Uh, except, and this is an interesting thing the film does, I think, except during the actual heist. Like, his entire his entire plan here is to eventually escape. But he can't escape, right? One, right. because we're in a Melville film and no one actually escapes in a Melville film. but But also... No one ever escapes when everything has to go right for them to escape. Uh, but it is interesting to me that the only open scene, the only outdoor scene, the the furthest sight distance we have in any scene is the actual heist. and it's the only time well, to there's really two. there's is two. free um, there's
0: there's the heist and then there's the time he gets trapped right right like when he and not like when he gets trapped physically, but when he gets entrapped. And, 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 but you're right, because in both of those two situations, so in the heist, he is kind of free. He's like, he's actually flying in the sense that like, this is what he does, right? Like he's kind of free and and exercising who he is. And then in the, um, where he gets entrapped, it, it, it just serves to help us process the fact that like, now it's final. Like the book is being closed. There is no more escape.
1: it pulls the carpet out from under him, the rug out from under him in, in the same way to say, even these, even in the outdoors, he is surrounded.
0: Right. Yeah. There is no real escape. You're not getting away basically.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I will say I, when Blot was introduced, I loved him. Uh, I thought, I thought the scene in the, uh, in the bar where he's telling each witness their story, you yeah, that no, was really what, interesting what yeah, they were, no, yeah. Totally. It was really fun. Um, yeah, you know, so often we have complained in police fiction of uh, investigators being the smartest man in the room. Uh, but Blot here is less the smartest man in the room and just somebody who's done this for a long time. Yeah, and and, <laughs> and it's pretty jaded about, about the entire
0: experience. Like knows like, knows it's, it's going to go. And like we even um, deal with that later on. Like he talks about he goes into further detail about it. In a really interesting one of the more interesting scenes to me is when he's discussing how they're going to deal with this crime. With the, this crime is like, oh, we're not going to get anything from like, like is a sort of extension of that bar scene when they're talking to the other. Uh, detective, he kind of goes into like, oh, we're not going to like, none of these plans are going to per se work because they're like, it's all the like, we're going to run into that same. It basically was right. an extension of that bar thing where it's like, oh, they're all going to clam up. It's never going to, nothing's going to happen. So we, and it just basically, we have to get lucky. And then once we get lucky, then we pull on that thread just as hard as we can, uh is basically what it comes down to. And that's how it ends up going down, right? Like, Goo yeah. gets identified I, by his former prison like guard. guard yeah. Which here's what I will say. Um it's nice storytelling. It's good storytelling. It's it's fine. It it re- it it does very well. You and I have had a discussion about your like hypothesis about like being able to recognize people. And this year more than anything has reinforced that you're hundred percent right. Like I will encounter students that I taught for four years and they'll have a mask right, on and different hair, and I'll be like, who the fuck are you?
1: Don't recognize people in other contexts. Right? Yeah. It, it's like, think, and, and even just like, yeah.
0: and, and it, it actually flies in the face of like everybody, I'm guilty of it, who's ever said that like Clark Kent would be found out in a minute. Like change <laughs> right, a person's right. hair and like put on some glasses. That person is fucking invisible. They're a completely different person because you have to do that, right? Because enough people look, enough. like otherwise you would be calling, like you would be, you would just be calling all the people all the wrong people all the time. Your brain has to, like, filter those those messages yeah. out. It, like, so it's, like, the guard identifying him, like, in passing, like, well, we spend every day together, blah, blah, blah. Like, I, I see your face every week and have right. for, what, nearly, like, how long have we <laughs> known each other? Yeah. I, and if you, like, suddenly, like, changed your hair, changed your facial hair, like, and like showed up in Japan, and like you could literally be next door, and I it would take me probably like right, right. Well, I mean that would that's a bit of a that's a bit extreme because it, it, there would be so many other odd contextual elements that would have me investigating <laughs> right, the situation. Right. But like right. in passing somewhere, like yeah, okay. But that's my rant about that. It's irrelevant to the I get to it. the movie. I get it. I get it. But
1: but yeah, the the idea that that he was recognized is is maybe a little spurious. Um, not that the mustache was a great disguise, but just the fact that he's in a different city uh, in a different context.
0: But he is, you know, the but guard could, would know. But if you know... combine that with a mustache and like a different haircut, yeah. that's a lot. I mean, right. that's a lot to see through. Right, right. Like, obviously, right. if the guard walked um, by and that person was in the jail cell, they would be like, well, that's goo. Like, I see goo every day and right. he changed. Right. But, you know, whatever. Right. Um.
1: The other thing with Blot is, uh, i i appreciate <laughs> i appreciate Melville's committed committing to all cops are bad in this movie, <laughs> uh, because Blot Blot as first is fun and sarcastic and jaded, but in an interesting way, and then. By the middle of the movie, he is actively breaking the law and trapping people and saying specifically, nothing is illegal.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, no, I, I appreciate that, And then that overseeing too. A, a, a torturous... Uh, right, absolutely 100% yeah. violating the civil liberties of these people. <laughs> like, right. well, that's the thing, right? Is that? But that's the interesting thing about it, right? Because what... Melville does do a good job of, and and there's like again, it's it, we get into this weird situation. It's like I don't particularly enjoy Melville films for the most part, but he does do it, and I think it's mainly because his like preternatural obsession with how awesome gangsters are, um, right? But like right. he's not wrong in his statement about like there's basically no difference between these two people, right. like these two people. This guy who who murders people for money, and this other guy who probably also basically murders people well, for money. There's not a lot of there's not a lot of difference. Here's the a... here's the thing where where there is a
1: difference, and where Melville's upfront about the difference, is that uh, our criminals have a code of honor they will not break.
0: Right, but that's also bullshit. That's Melville's our police. Life.
1: Like, Our police are one hundred percent unscrupulous.
0: Right, but right. right, right. Well, my problem with that is that that's Melville living in his own fantasy world of like, oh, that's like that's Robin Hood and and it, that's like, right, right. Of course, like, of co- course, Melville's he is romanticizing a thing like that. Yeah. that is really doesn't need to be romanticized it's not a good thing to do that with and
1: also their their code of honor leads them to kill a lot of people yeah a lot of people die because of their code of honor
0: like a code of honor that (laughs) leaves a wake of of human bodies behind it is probably not great and also keep in mind their code of honor allows them and not just to kill their accomplices but to just kill like two dudes driving motorcycles behind like a van like you know i mean like right like i understand that like you know we we can we can extend the like y- like thoughts about like what their role is cuz they are police officers and stuff like that pretty far but like in the context of the movie they're just two dudes essentially driving my goes behind a truck full of money right like yeah you could literally like and it just goes to like just immediately to murder it's like well the way we deal with them yeah. is to murder them
1: another aspect of this movie and and last week's movie i think i mentioned it last week that i really appreciate uh is uh is just the dedication to using mass transit to get to and from your crime yeah uh i think uh it's very it's very useful now obviously Goo drives himself quite a bit and and there's a private car that's very important to the plot of last week's movie as well. Unseen, completely unseen, but still very important. Right. Um, uh but uh but the use of of they take the metro to, to the crime last week and and Gu's just incredibly uncomfortably long sequence of buses that go yep. rides yep. in the middle of this movie <laughs> in in uh progressively more cramped spaces
0: well, on that, his way
1: to the heist. Right.
0: And that, and that totally works. Right. Like in, in reality, right. like if you're trying to like, Oh, like up the, ante and, again, and like say like, this guy is going to get caught. This is going to result yeah. in him getting caught. Uh, the, that's a really fascinating right. thing to do. Right. Like, um,
1: again, it is a method of, of, of Goo constantly being imprisoned wherever right. he is. Absolutely. Right. Uh, and,
0: and, and you know, but like, you know it's it's very like he does a lot of neat stuff like that and and i guess my problem comes down like but the issue that we've had with other melville films is the same one i have with this one it's like his doing this trying to read the gangsters as noble which Mm -hmm. is definitely a thing like goo is supposed is our hero and he is 100 percent like the good guy in the movie um is is problematic like unfortunately like when you're juxtaposing him against the against blot who who progressively gets worse and we're reading him more and more as a bad person i would rather and and then but the things goo is doing are also just just bad like i want the movie to tell me these are the same and visually and like story-wise the movie is telling me they're the same but like Melville's not telling me they're the same. Melville's telling me, no, this guy over here. Now he's he's a straight shooter, literally, but also figuratively. Um, yeah, and I I don't. It's the same problem like we ran into it with other ones. It's just he gets pretty close, but not there because he really likes gangsters too much.
1: Right, right, right. Um. <laughs> Was the uh, was the opening philosophical pithamart uh, remark uh, credited to anything this time? I can't. remember No,
0: it I was. Re- I, I, try- I I mentally made a note of it, and then I and then I promptly forgot it because the movie's two and a half hours long or yeah. whatever.
1: I tried to look up to see if it was credited, and and it only seemed to bring back results for the movie.
0: What was um, it? I don't remember. I remember like thinking to myself, "This is a ridiculous quote," and then like. Yeah. Then then I forgot it because I right. was like this. But at least there's no there's no
1: uh It's like there's no outside authority he tries to <laughs> right. put in. It's it not on, like a tribute right? like
0: fucking Sun Tzu or something like that. Yeah. Uh, um it is a man is
1: given but one right at birth oh, right. to choose his own death. But if he chooses because he's weary of his own life, then his entire existence has been without meaning. And listen, I have a lot of philosophical and political problems with that uh yeah <laughs> with that. me too <laughs> but uh but I don't even know that it actually works here
0: um well uh yeah I maybe. don't know because like I, I I it depends on like if he's trying to make a comment about like did like did goo kind of go the way he goes towards the end of the movie just because he's just worn out right
1: Right. Well, the the thing is that that for that quote to be an accurate representation of this movie, Goo is the only man in this movie. Plenty of people die who did not choose their right. own path. Uh, well to death I mean that that's because I Goo mean, killed them. Right. I mean that's <laughs>
0: definitely true. Like that I mean that was a problem I had initially when I first like saw that. I was like, yeah. Oh, like the problem we're gonna run into here is that like basically nobody chooses. <laughs> The way that they right. die, except for in a very philosophical way where you say, like, well, he chose to be it a gangster. It is the result so of their ch- actions. Yeah, right, like, I he guess. chose to be a gangster, so he chose the way he's going to die. He chose to be a cop, so he chose the way he's going to die in, like, a very roundabout, sort of extended philosophical way. Like, we all choose the way we're going right. to die in a, like, in a sure. pretty boring first year of <laughs> of college sort of way. Right.
1: Unless you choose to die in a very exciting first year of college.
0: Right. Well, or or you go the route that I've always uh gone, which is go get participate in the Mexican Civil War and disappear and never be found again.
1: Right, right. It's a little late to go I the, the beer. I, but...
0: I argue that given the political climate of the entire world, the chances I will be able to find a civil war and disappear into it like right. although beers You're is right. extremely high. When yeah, I'm ready, there is, I'll just, like, there essentially plenty, look at the news for a day and pick a place. Plenty of wars you can get into. Yeah, really um, really inappropriately get involved in and then disappear and have a question mark on my yeah. tombstone. Why is
1: Orloff just such a weird guy? He's, I like, aggressively weird. I don't know. <laughs> like, like, his introduction, where where he's having a very straightforward business interview interaction with this heist thing... That everyone else just knows he's a weird guy. And, and Orloff's, he's hes just, you know, it's like, well, I want to take a week to think about it. You can look at other people, obviously, and I'll let you know. Uh. But here's
0: what I'll say. Orloff is my favorite character in this movie, despite he's, apparently yeah. being modeled after a Gestapo agent, which right. is and unfortunate. The-
1: the scenes with uh, with Joe Ricci, uh, where where Orloff shows up early to hide his gun and practice his gun reveal, yeah, and then and then as soon as he leaves, and someone else from Ricci's gang shows up to hide guns and and yeah. And how that's in, us introduced to the space, so that when we get to that scene, we don't have to be introduced to the space. There's um, there's a
0: lot of neat really a lot of neat stuff in there, yeah. and and to set up a gunfight that way is really it is really fascinating because you're right, it introduces us to the space, And it also allows the the gangsters to do reveals of guns without us having to be like, "Well, where the fuck did he have that?" Like, right. right instead right. of having it feel like a magic trick, it's more like a it, it makes them all seem very serious and like yeah. like like they plan everything in advance really well. And it makes them more dangerous feeling, right? It's also a little goofy to watch. It is. Uh, it is. which is kind of it's one. It's one especially of the especially without how long Orloff's sequence. Comes. Yeah, it's got to be the probably the closest we get to Le Dolos in this movie. Yeah, is watching these yeah. motherfuckers hide guns, uh. But like, the thing about it is, is like, Orloff is. To me, Orloff is maybe the only real character in this movie, or one of the yeah. only, The reason I say that is because like. His weirdness makes him feel like a distinct and interesting individual. Right. Uh, whereas most of the other ones are, do tend to feel to me like right. French gangster number four. Whereas Orloff is, Orloff is in a business that encourages w- weirdly obsessive compulsive behaviors. Right. And, and, and like, and 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 encourages a sort of aloofness and like that like it reads in the character. It makes him weirdo, but it makes him yeah. feel authentic. Whereas all the other ones feel more like just it, it. Like I feel like everybody's gonna look at some point at somebody else and say, "Play it again, Sam," or something like that. And we're right, just gonna, right. which is not a great, but I always feel like that's the most. I understand that that's not exactly a matching sentiment, but it's still what I always imagine. It It's that sort of Humphrey Bogart kind of like right. voice and stuff. I They all, they don't even like, Goo doesn't even feel that unique or interesting to me, except for in just the fact that the actor does a pretty good job of being Goo. But Goo, yeah. the character, is okay he's fairly interesting mainly because we spend so much time with him we do learn more about him than we learn about the other characters
1: right right <laughs> by nature of him being there yeah and uh you know um
0: blot uh, is another one who has a at least a little bit of meat on his bones because again we we spend so much time and then we watch him evolve into a monster yeah. that he right well, Blot he doesn't evolve he's always a-, a monster but
1: Right. Plot has a character arc in right. that he is revealed to be more monstrous over the course. Of, right.
0: But like of the film, that's we've named three people out of a cast, right? That like actually no one like, else resonated really. in a way.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. Right. Um, I do want to think about this being a Giovanni work, and and they're all based on different people but it's kind of interesting that, uh, uh, if you hadn't died at the end of this one, if, 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 if all these movies didn't end with everyone dying, right. uh, the the prison escape, right? This is the prison escape to the escape from France. Right. And then class is the return to France to try to create an escape for your children after, after right. years in hiding. Uh, so that sort of Giovanni cinematic universe, right? And, is, and they are is maybe all essentially like—I um, mean,
0: they're meant to like—they're supposed to work that. And way. And maybe right?
1: I'm only thinking about that because Ventura plays the main character in in Class 2 Risque too, doesn't
0: he? I mean, or am I? I, I wouldn't I'm pretty be surprised sure he does. that that's true. Yeah. I, I mean, I I I mean, I assume that Giovanni's book writing career was essentially basically just reframing things that he's either acquainted we've we've talked about this before like either things that are, he was directly involved in or stories that he heard from other people um it, you know it it just uh, right right it's
1: mostly stories he involved with other people but he was a bad guy enough right. to get into a position to hear those stories from other people so <laughs> uh so there's that but but yeah i don't know it's just it, it would be it would be an interesting framework even though, you know, Luttrell came out, was first, and then Classic to Risque was, was almost immediately after La Trau, um both in books and movies. Right. And then it took six years to get this one on screen. Um, but it is interesting how, with a few tweaks, it could be a centerpiece between the other two stories that we're familiar with. Right, Absolutely. And, of course... The other thing about Giovanni is that he is taking real-life stories and twisting them a little to make them his fiction. Um, So it would be be believable if you told me that the main character in Luttrell was based on the same person as is the main character of this movie and Classe Teriske, and those were just the changes that were made. They're not. I looked into it. Okay.
0: Um, but, like, I mean, what you're doing is you're just, it's just more, it's more in the meta than that in the sense that they're, right, they right, are, right. they're just the same character in Giovanni's mind instead of, like, right, right. on paper. <laughs> um, I, w- a weird thing that happened to me is when I first started walking, they're like, oh, it's Commissioner Blot. And I was like, wait a minute. Do we, have we encountered a Commissioner Blot before? Like, not the, char- obviously not the actor, but the name. Sounded so familiar to me. Have not been able to find it. It does not exist. But I had this weird deja vu moment where I was like, "Oh, it's Commissioner Blot again." (laughs) This is not a person.
1: I don't know the word. The word Blot feels like he should be out of uh, out of like uh, the uh, what the Doctor Mabuse. Well, one of the one of the German Expressionism. Yeah, uh, it just felt (laughs) really crime films.
0: Felt yeah, maybe because it like. It felt very like I I was kind of freaked out. I was like, Oh, this is a real, is this I to the point where my brain said like oh this is, must be a, a weird reoccurring character in Melville films. Yeah. It's not. I went and looked He's it up. Not. But my brain there told is, me it was. I was like, All right. Yeah.
1: There is a weird reference to other Melville work in this movie though. Oh, is there? <laughs> when uh uh when Manaush comes to Goo for dinner uh, and meets him at his, has at his apartment. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get her coming up through the apartment building. Yeah. And when she's in the hallway, the quiet audio we're hearing is someone watching. Les oh, really? Uh, <laughs> through the wall. Yeah. I presume watching and that Melville is not trying to establish that the, uh, the the brother and sister with the impossibly large apartment is somehow on the other side of the door <laughs> right of of goose weird uh weird hideout space that is clearly not the same caliber as the apartment they were living
0: in it would be kind, kind if he's of just good. in the
1: back room of that of yeah. that space that looks like an empty sound stage on on all of its four floors um <laughs> yeah yeah, I don't think the suggestion is that the action is taking place at the same time uh, but but in any case, we hear dialogue from that movie. Um, I did not notice that on my own so, uh, it was pointed out to me uh, and it's not translated dialogue, so it's not it's not anything uh say criterion felt was important right but um, but it is uh it is what
0: we hear.: I think it's extremely significant.
1: I don't know what the actual lines are since they were untranslated. So so maybe that is the key to understanding Melville is is picking it, that's out it's all right
0: was, there and you and we'll just never understand because yeah. we just <laughs> we're just not that good at French. Yeah. We're failures. I only took one year.
1: I only took one year. i yeah. sorry.
0: What do you it's basically it's been, one year's basically no years, really. Right? Right?
1: Especially one year one year that was uh nearly 20 years ago right Right. so so yeah there's there's a lot there's a lot of interesting stuff going on in this movie. i won't deny that but it is just so
0: long it is very (laughs) long it is it is a it is a it is a bit of a slog um and like i i don't know i kind of like i tried to i i i did my best to like really keep my attention on it and focus on it but like you know like the other thing is is that like it's very at the beginning it's very confusing where everybody fits in and then once you figure out what the story's gonna be, you essentially could write it yourself. Right like right. it crosses a threshold where you're like, Okay, I know everything that's gonna happen here. Like I may not know the details of it, but I know how I know I know Melville now. I know this kind of movie. I can assemble these parts and tell you oh, you know, things like they're all gonna die, they're gonna kill each other. Right. Like, somebody will, so, like, that whole, like, interrogation, like, oh, this, I you know, giving that, like, interrogation document to the report that all feels very pretty much rote noir kind of stuff. It, it's, it, it doesn't, again, it's not bad. In fact, it's, it leans towards good. It's just like at some point you cross the threshold where you just, okay, we're not going to surprise you anymore. None of this is going to be breaking any ground.
1: Right. And the ending, I mean, it's one, it's inevitable because yeah. we understand what we're watching that, <clears throat> that somehow. So I guess there's, there's, we get to get the surprise to learn about just how everyone is going to die. Right. Right. The right. The narrative. <laughs> um, uh but uh you know blot gets to be a jerk one more time and not tell uh not tell Menoshe that Goo mentioned her as his dying breath uh and uh then he drops the confession um which is weird too i guess well i mean professional, it's weird. professional respect he gets he gets Goose story out and I, clears Goo's name, even in Goo's death. Well, which but I guess I, like, isn't something he could have done as an investigator.
0: I think uh, I think it's 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 that classic like I don't I, to my mind I read it as like oh we like I like it's that it's probably I mean in the story it serves that purpose right it's like it clears yeah. his name at the end to prove that like he was a good. He was a good criminal. Um, yeah. And is it is it Blot... I mean, Blot
1: didn't really oversee the violent interrogations, and that was kind of the, the other investigator, and Blot is maybe at odds with that. But Blot still is the one who says nothing's illegal and is at least in charge of the whole entrapment scene. So, like... What's that fine line, well, I mean that. that
0: that fine line is I mean like I we know that that fine line is like, oh well, it crossed over to violence now, so it became like entrapment, break- violating a person's uh like human rights that's fine, hurting that person physically that's bad uh it's kind of yeah. the line that they're drawing there my my thought is like. Like, that sort of thing at the end, though, that, like, weird last bit of, like, catharsis where we... I mean, if anything, it's it's Plot sort of trying to absolve himself of, he is.
1: of the entrapment part. He and, is. You know.
0: But in the... And, and, and there's a lot of, like, in, in in this kind of movie, that kind of scene happens for different reasons in the story. But they always serve... The, those scenes always right. serve the purpose of making it suddenly not really a tragedy. You know what I mean? Like, th- like, in the sense that, like, we're not following, like, <laughs> Greek, Greek playwriting or, like, even, like, Shakespearean sort of rules about what makes a tragedy or a comedy, right? Like, right. we're, right. like, in gangster films, if, 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 blo- if, um, Gu died and no one ever found out that he was a, a good criminal, like, a good, he followed all the rules, that would be a tragedy. If he dies and people find out and the truth gets out and he's, like, absolved of his sins, his his crime sins, not the sins of murdering people, but, like, the sin of, of being, if he's not absolved of being a a rat, then that's a tragedy, right? In this, like, him dying and everybody dying is irrelevant. That's how they're all going to end. Because that's how you in this movie unless you're making like a really upbeat one where like one person survives and gets on the train you get the scene of him sitting on the train as he pulls out of the station or some shit like that that's like that's I don't even know what to call that that's some extra level shit where you're like wow this one was a really upbeat gangster film Um, my point is just that like that kind of scene where we have to absolve our main character of what the movie considers their their what the movie could consider their bad action like what the characters in the movie consider their bad action is is essential right because you need your like it's just that because we're in Melville land and it's all about gangsters what those things are are so weird compared to the way normal human beings process information <laughs> instead of the th- the crime he's being absolved of being like murdering those people the crime he's being absolved of is ratting out his buddies
1: right right because um,
0: it's, it's a Melville gangster film and that's how this works.
1: It may be interesting not to, not, it will not provide any more insight to Blot's character because Blot's character is Blot, right? right. But the character's based off of uh, Commissioner Georges Clot, C-L-O-T.
0: Oh, so uh, much change.
1: Yeah, who is, it's uh, the least amount of change. Uh, actually, no, that's not true because uh, Manausch is uh, inspired by a woman named Germaine whose uh, who's – her A.K.A. was Manausch. Well, so, to be fair, uh, Orloff's
0: literal name was Orloff.
1: Yeah. I, b- I believe. No, I guess that's true too. Yes, you're right. Uh, Orloff was also known as
0: Orloff. Yeah, like um, that was the name but, of uh, the Gestapo agent <laughs> it was literally like Orloff.
1: yeah. yeah. But, uh, but clot was actually uh during liberation was in charge of the anti gestapo police unit um so, so there's that too, I guess, but uh but clot doesn't entrap Orloff, he entraps goo, uh, right, it's all very dumb, it's all, yeah, anyway, uh, the fact that the fact that. Blot recognizes that goo had to have committed those first two executions because it's goo's style but goo's style is driving them out to the woods and murdering them in the woods right uh,
0: <laughs> i don't know we're, Well that that's just some detective novel like detective movie bullshit yeah. right where they're like ah yeah, we're this gangsters- is his signature
1: Right, were gangsters in France at the time so idiosyncratic that that could be your signature. Your signature is that, that,
0: like, ah, it's the woods, huh? Yeah, Yeah, I don't. That's what I'm like. That's always. Everybody else just
1: dumps them in the river with a different colored feather in their hat or something.
0: (laughs) Like it's always that. Like that's always that one of those weird tropes in like detective movies and yeah, by 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 extension, gangster movies is like ah, his signature kill move, and I'm like. Okay. Maybe, maybe. But, like, come on. Like, every killer has this signature. It's just, I don't know, it's exhausting. Yeah. It's just a weirdly exhausting trip. It is. Yes. It's it like, really is. I, I like the idea that, like, but, like, yeah, I don't know. Because, like, we also see Goo kill a bunch of people where he doesn't drive them out to the woods in a car and abandon the car. You know what I mean? Right. It's like, right, like. So it's just exclusively when he's murdering people he thinks are like ratting him out or something. It's like this is getting, this is getting very specific. When I shoot guards of, of bank, uh, of of money, I he does it this way. And when when he shoots people, maybe are ratting him out, he does it this way. It's like <laughs> got this whole hierarchy chart. You have to like follow this like flow chart to figure out what stage of goo you're in. Yes. Yes. Um <laughs>
1: right, and maybe uh maybe blot has that yeah uh, <laughs> in
0: his office, he just like looks up and says, ah. Yeah. let me go, let me go see my goo chart, ah, I see, so the answer to what did it involve a bank no okay, well, go go to this box then all right well did it did it involve a car in the woods? yes, okay, well, okay, uh, and eventually it leads to it must be goo, yeah. Um, interestingly, uh,
1: the music in this is, uh, done by a guy named Bernard Girard. Uh, but there is an unused, uh, soundtrack. Um, the score, the written score still exists, uh, by John Lewis, uh, black jazz musician who was living in France at the time. Um, Melville, uh, Melville said no, um... To it, I don't know why that's not recorded. Um, the French Wikipedia speculates that the soundtrack may have been intended for the American release of the film. Uh, which is weird to have a different musical accompaniment for the American yeah. release, but sure. Um, Lewis wasn't American, so I guess there's that aspect of it, but... Uh, this was very well regarded in France at the time. It was Melville's highest-grossing movie when it came out.
0: Um, the critics loved it. Uh, like, I mean, I can see why. I mean, like, I do understand. Like, it's, it's, it is well made. Uh, it is. If you're like really like, I think part of the problem is you and I are a little bit more jaded, maybe, because like, yeah, <laughs> like we've had we've already had to watch a. Bunch of gangster films, and then like we watch them in such Criterion. A weird really way. loves these gangster yeah. movies. <laughs> I mean, I I blame that on Scorsese's influence in the in the Criterion system, maybe. Uh, but like, it, it it's this thing where it's like we we see so many of them, and then like even a critic at the time probably isn't watching maybe every fucking gangster movie that comes out, and. You know, maybe they are, but, like, also maybe some of these ideas feel novel and fresh because they haven't seen an additional 50 years of pastiches of this thing. Right. You know what I mean? Like, because everything we see here, to a certain extent, feels cliched. It feels like tropes. It feels like you can just go look up any particular part of this movie on TV tropes and just find it. It's just there (laughs) waiting for you. And, like, that's us. Whereas, like, if you're watching it, yeah, I mean, the gangster, the French gangster film genre is already really pretty fucking old by 1966, but it's not an additional 50, 60 years older right. than that. Yeah, and we've just, we've been exposed to a lot of it, and
1: and again, you know, as we talked extensively last week, so I won't rehash that, Melville in his navel-gazing gangster days is particularly... Disinteresting to us, yeah. And
0: and I and part of that is I would (sighs) I would submit part of that might be a a certain lack of a a certain sort of contextual thing, right? Like if if it's 1966, maybe this feels really cool. Maybe maybe I mean obviously people really liked it. People like enjoyed like Melville's nearly deeply upsetting obsession with gangsters.
1: Right, right.
0: Yeah. You know.
1: And like the, you know, similar times, the New Wave guys are doing like hyper cool gangsters. You know, and right. this isn't that. This is, Melville is not. Yeah,
0: he's not New that. Wave. That's true. Right. Yeah. He's, I mean. He's the separate thing. He is. And it's I mean, he's, 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 he's still tangentially there. Like he's not that, but like you still get elements that feel that way mixed in. Right. Like. These guys are meant it, to be very cool. It is also interesting. Um,
1: I meant to mention this earlier when you talked about the way this movie was shot. Uh I've seen this movie described as Bressonian. Okay. Uh, and I don't
0: Well now I'm not how fact, that works.
1: Right. In the in the fact that there are long sequences where no one talks, maybe I can get that. But
0: I feel like that And,
1: as and as it's a, just generally depressing. Um
0: Okay, but okay, let okay, let's think about this. If you're specifically saying it's like pickpocket, I can get it. Okay. Yeah, you're right. I don't really think the, about pickpocket.
1: Yeah, I feel like either. there might be a I feel like there might be a Bresson film that's more in that line
0: that we don't we haven't seen. We haven't seen. Well, there's one called A Man um, Escaped that, that I suspect might, a man be, escape might be particularly in that, yeah, in right. that vein. But even then, yeah. pickpocket, if you think about it in terms of like Pickpocket has the same sort of like things just happen without a lot of talking and like it is a man trapped almost the entire film. Right. It, it, I can see it. Um uh, it makes sense. Um it's just that we don't think of that as a Bresson film because it is we you and I have because... the movies we think of. when we when you say Bresson I say Donkey. Right,
1: right. Um A Man Escape is spine number six fifty, by the way. We will eventually watch and, and it of course. That, and that might ha- and it's a Bresson film. I'm not surprised it's in the Criteria right. and, Collection, and, but it is still
0: a little while off. And like I said, but even then, like even with what we have, like if you if you take into account Pickpocket, that doesn't feel like a crazy statement. It right. is a little bit because their aesthetic is still so different in terms of they've arrived at the same place, but with very different both goals and methods in mind, right you know right, what I mean right. Bresson is not trying to make it's almost a co, it's almost a weird coincidence more than anything in my mind, yeah like this it's is so, just it's, it's may be tra- interesting
1: yeah Go ahead. when we get to a man escape, hopefully we still have this in memory to 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 speak on this a little more explicitly um but it might be interesting. To think about how, you know, from from pickpocket and other earlier Bresson stuff, that's still super depressing, but a different thing to what, uh, Michette and Alhazar Balthazar are, um. And there's even like that, uh, our first Bresson, the the, uh, the dames of of whatever, uh, Le Boulogne, um, right. That was kind of like the the rom-com to a certain extent tragic ending because it's still oppressing. but right right um but uh it's interesting that that this is a central piece to a a system or a a, a director who went on to become much more let's say idiosyncratic in the way they are right uh, doing films um and and maybe it would be interesting to find out if a man escaped is is a similar keystone in Bresson's career if right. we can if we can read it in, into it in that way Well
0: and but. I and I think to a certain extent part of what we are is because we have the sort of value of hindsight is that we read Bresson's career as that sort of evolution towards a thing right Right Uh that right. is is very specific and we know what the end result is Yeah And and, and that's Melville's on a wildly different trajectory, just completely and utterly different trajectory.
1: That maybe brings us back around to you know we've had this conversation a little bit in the past few months of you know there's a there's a criticism that was laid at us at at our podcast early on, Uh, less so now. I think we've found our audience now, but uh, but a criticism that's true. Well the the criticism laid at us was that in watching these movies in spine number order we are watching them outside of their historical context.
0: Right. Yeah. And yeah we if we know. were
1: if we were watching them in chronological order um instead we would be insane. that we would be yeah. That project it. has its own insanities. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but we would understand each movie differently. And it's because, like argument. with this, it is. we would be talking about Melville having seen Les Dolos, uh uh, uh, uh you know, every movie we've mentioned so far. Right. <laughs> except Le Cirque Rouge and. Uh, oh, goodness, I just lost it. Uh, uh, the Circle w- Rouge and
0: well, like there's yeah. I mean, I was looking them up. I, I the samurai. Yeah, but like uh, yeah, that's a, that's a, and it's and it's a valid And maybe a cri- couple of others. It's a so, valid criticism, and it and it is a valid like that is a valid way to do this. the The flip side of that is is that like we, we you know number one. This is just the system we we have, but like right, right, right. Also, because we would have to do each director individually, and then we would get a whole different view because our directors wouldn't be mashed together. We would watch every fucking Melville film in chronological. Oh yeah, that's order. a that's also a different a different way With, to have gone without. It. If any we just watched. Yeah. Uh, Watch Melville
1: in chronological order be a different completely different thing, too.
0: That would be what you would probably actually have to do. Otherwise, you would have the problem we talked about in the real version of the chronological order where you have to keep rewinding and, like, catching the ones that get added from earlier in in history. Um, But, like, what I'm saying is, though, is that, like, the way we've done it is, to my mind, (laughs) I'm going to get real navel-gazy on us, is probably... Almost the sort of most, in my mind, the most pure way to do this, in the sense that, like, we're operating the way that all of our contemporaries operate, which is with perfect hindsight. We know everything right. that happened that is recorded up until the point we or at least, exist in. At, or the at the time. least we have access to that we, information yeah, right, if of we course. wish. But that's true for all human beings, right? Like, you have access right. to the information you have access to, and the amount you're willing to take in prior to and right. after watching right. a movie, right? And, like, that's true about all people watching all films that happen before the moment they exist in time at that point, right? Until the now. And so, like, and everybody watches film. Most people on Earth, except for through weirdly artificial constraints, watch films in a mishmash where you, like, you watch a couple of this person's films. You watch some of these films over here. And that's how contemporaries watch, like, that's how we watch films now, even contemporaneous to ourselves, right? Like, you're not like, well... I mean, and sometimes you do go on a, a weird binge and you watch a bunch from the same the same creator, but like most of the time, your life is like, well, these are the movies that came out this year, and I watched them contemporaneous to myself uh, at that moment, without necessarily. And so, right. I, to my mind, the spine number order is weird in the sense that, as far as I can tell, it's almost entirely random, which produces that sort of weird mishmashy experience that. You have if you just sort of like gaze back across all of film history, which is right. like I'm just gonna watch some of these right like I'm right. just wanna... gonna watch them <laughs>
1: <sighs> the way we do this is arbitrary uh, absolutely uh it was an arbitrary decision to to consume it in this manner, um but at the same time, it has produced an interest uh that I don't know it certainly would have been a different experience for us, for our listeners. Uh, and it would have been an entirely different project if we decided to do them exactly chronologically or chronologically by or, director. Or, even. or,
0: or we even did what most of the pri- criterion podcasts do do, which is like, they just pick things that people like right. and like sort of right. at, at, at their own sort of desire of what they want to watch. And we've talked right. about this in the past where that would produce a, a different effect which is we would there were certain movies we would never watch we would just never get around to them. they would never happen and we've been i've been forced to watch like we discovered things we love and we discovered interesting things like the fact that melville is this guy who like makes pretty well done movies but like in a way that i just do not enjoy watching right right and like not even in the bad way where like a lot of the movies we watch that i don't like are like in some way like distinctly repulsive to me I just find Melville's obsession with gangsters just a bit much and you know they're male centric
1: movies but they're not even necessarily obsessed with an idea of masculinity overtly
0: no it's more like the masculinity that's associated with that kind of gangster right there's a sort of like the noble gangster could be construed as a male archetype right? right? like the noble criminal uh who like defends his honor. And it is
1: it's by its nature gendered, but it doesn't have to be gendered, I think, is a is a weird place to yeah, be in. That's true. But yeah. You you can uh, definitely
0: have a you can definitely have anywhere like you could have a a like noble yeah, criminal Women in these movies either in any of these yeah.
1: Women in these movies either don't exist or are set piece by and large. With yeah. the exception of like Dulos where Uh, the woman completely off screen was the main villain of the movie. (laughs) Yeah, basically was Uh,
0: the movie. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, but that's, but again, off screen. But all we really, right.
1: And all we really see on screen is her get beat up. And like, that's, you know, its own thing. exactly. So, yeah. Um, By a character who we're ostensibly supposed to like by the end of the movie too. (laughs) So, uh, yeah. Dulos had its own issues, um, but this movie also has those issues. You know, we've got one one female character in this movie.
0: Uh, well, right. I mean, this character, this movie, this movie has it in peripheral. Spades, in the sense right. that, in many ways, this is the the women in Melville films like practically like gold standard. It, this, right? She right. is legitimately just a set piece. She is just there. Yeah. Yeah. as a function of the plot and only barely. Right. And she's not
1: even she's not even there as like a promise of freedom for Gu. Cuz she doesn't talk about Do they really talk about her
0: going with him when he leaves? They talk they dance no. around it. Like they may at they some kinda. point directly address it, but at at various points it does sound like that he's pining to be with her wherever he's going right. to end up and she's not like shooting him down. She's not saying like that's right. not going to happen and she constantly talks about getting they constantly address her wanting to get away. So there's this sort of sort of presumed point where right. they would like reconverge. It's not exactly like directly stated. But also yeah. like anyway. That's that's not a person, that's a that's a goal.
1: Yeah. Uh the real life Manouche did come out and say Uh, after the film came out she made it explicit that she had never had a relationship with the guy that goo is based off of
0: (laughs) well yeah I I, yeah yeah well
1: yeah uh, so there's that I
0: guess but
1: anyway yeah this is uh, it's an interesting movie Giovanni's interesting Um, I actually just realized that Class A to Risk is sitting on the table right beside me I hadn't noticed um, somehow it was was just watching Uh, you yeah because uh, cause that's when I ended up having to physically purchase. Um. But, yeah. Uh, this week we have been talking about uh, another Melville film. Uh, Le the aime Soufflé. The Second Breath. The Second Wind. Um, it's uh, another Melville film, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's... Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean... It is yeah. certainly not
1: our favorite Melville film. I wouldn't even put it low on the list either. So, there's that uh but uh but the the breadth of me liking melville films is pretty thin and then there's Ledulos, which is kind of kind of higher yeah
0: but. it is yeah I, I that i think that's going to end up in my mind just going to be a weird outlier forever which right, i guess is right. fine
1: uh next week we're going to watch something i'm very very excited to watch the 1982 film missing uh directed by Uh, Costa Gavras. It is a uh, biographical film on Charles Horman, American uh, journalist who was killed by the incoming coup administration under Pinochet in Chile uh, after the U.S. backed Pinochet's rise to power over the democratically elected socialist uh, Allende. Uh, so uh, it's gonna be right, uh, right in the the sort of warehouse of things Pat and I yeah. like to talk about. So that uh,
0: buckle up, that one could be a long one. Yeah.
1: Could be, could be. But we look forward to that. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for listening to Lost and Criterion. I am as always the Adam Glass with me as always John Patrick Oatari Doria, and we'll see you next time. Lost and Criterion. I'm your co-host Adam Glass. You can find me on Twitter at @vmglass. My partner is John Patrick O'Hakari-Dorgan and you can find him at jpatrick Check out more of the show at lostandcriterion.com, or hey, give us a review on iTunes. It's nice. If you really like what you hear, consider supporting us at patreon.com lostandcriterion Hey, our theme music is by Jonathan Pape. Check him out at jonathanpape.com. And thanks for listening appreciate it.